Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bayman Review, episode eight, where we tackle issues ranging from life hacks to politics to government and MUN tips every now and then. But in today's episode, we're going to be talking about women feeling threatened in their own homes, on the street, the not all men analogy, and the need for more open minded conversations. Today, I'm joined by Joelle Sheikh and Francesco. Francesco, I actually don't know your last name, so you'll have you'll have, you'll have uh, 30 seconds to introduce yourself, and Joelle, you'll be introducing yourself for the second time on our podcast. So the floor is yours. Joelle, start us off. Thank you so much, Haya, for having me. Uh, my name is Joelle. I'm currently the chair of UNODC at Baymon, and I'm a graduating political science student at the AUB, and I'm very honored to be here alongside Francesco, so I'll leave the floor to you. Hi everyone, I'm Francesco. No need to mention uh, the other names because it's just long and confusing. Yeah. I'm a graduate student uh, at University College London and I'm currently writing so, for the Phoenix Daily, an independent newspaper based in Beirut. Okay, very cool. Thank you guys for joining us here today. Um, we wanted this conversation to be as natural and as free-flowing as possible which is why I didn't prepare any questions because I feel like a conversation especially like this one at a time where so many important events are happening all over the world especially in Lebanon and we've been hearing women talk about their personal experiences and their personal stories it's only fair to do the same without any actual preparation and I'd actually like to start with Joel. and I know that you know obviously both you and I our young women were actually not in Lebanon. We, Joelle, you're in France. I'm in Dubai. So I would assume that, you know, these two countries are safer for women like us. I feel more safe here than I feel in Lebanon. And that's because, you know, I trust that I'm more protected on the streets. I don't know. It's just like probably a subliminal or like a subconscious feeling. But I know that... Um, there are so many girls that don't feel like us they don't feel like this and it's justified so would you like to talk about like your own experience especially living abroad and like seeing the difference at least between like when you go out alone let's say on the streets of in your city and what it what that's like versus you going out on the streets in Lebanon and what that's like um, yeah, I think that's a very um, important subject to talk about because for the first two years of my undergraduate um, degree at AUB, I used to walk home from university. Mm-hmm. I used to go and go and come back from university because it was like a 20 minute walk. It wasn't worth it to get a taxi or an Uber. Um, and at the time, I don't know if it was courage or maybe that I was oblivious to to everything that happens, you know, to girls and to women walking down the street. But I used to walk down, you know, AirPods. I used to be very (laughs) normal, just a normal teenager. And then I remember um, one thing happened that literally changed my entire um, mentality on this because I heard that um, a girl in our neighborhood, she was 14, she she wore the veil and she was raped and killed. Um, Oh my God. Yeah, and I heard about that and it was absolutely horrible. And at that time, my mom told me, you're not coming walking again. That's it. Whoa. You're not. And I'm going to come and get you every single day. 
And yeah. by then I started noticing the pattern that that emerged. Maybe I, like mm-hmm. I said, I was oblivious to it. And then I, um, I started realizing what was going on. And so my mom used to come and get me every single time I was, you know, 18. And I used to go with her all the time. And even mm-hmm. if she couldn't, I used to have one of my, you know, male friends walk with walk home with me. And at some point, I got a pepper spray. Um, I remember last few months in Lebanon, I got pepper spray with me. And I started holding my keys. Um, and, you know, you th- you think that this this is normal. But when I came here to France, I realized how ju- how abnormal that is because now every single time I walk down the street, I can't help but look back every single, you know, every five minutes, I look back to see if someone's following me. And obviously no one's following me because again, you think that you're safer here. Um, yeah. But I think what happened with Sarah proves that this can happen anywhere. It's not only Very in true. countries like Lebanon or, you know, developing countries but it can happen anywhere, streets of London, where you're supposed to be safe, Paris, mm-hmm. France, mm-hmm. Dubai, anywhere. Yeah. So I think for us, it's it's something very traumatizing. It's something that will take time to heal from and to maybe we never will. But I hope that we can. Me too, actually. And this is something that I don't necessarily talk about or say out loud, at least to myself, because it's very hard to admit that wherever I am, especially when I'm alone, I always feel like I have to have eyes on the back of my head. I have to, like, I always have to look out for myself. I always have to, like, in Arabic, there's a saying for this, actually, like, it's basically like you're always scared and you don't know what's next and what might happen. It's always the what ifs and the what might happen questions that confuse us and that put us in a position of, like, doubt doubt and, and fear. And in this case... It's justified. And there are so many girls who their stories are just traumatizing. And it makes you think, why would I ever leave the house if there's this risk on top of my head whenever I have to leave just because I'm a girl and just because I'm because of my gender and how I look like I'm susceptible to attack. And this is this actually brings me to my next next question to Francesco. Um, What do you think? in your opinion, from like, obviously, from the male perspective, why do you think we should be having these conversations? And obviously, I know that maybe you don't relate to these stories. Like, I don't, you know, obviously, it's, it's, it's probably easier for you. And, and, and it's, it's mm. something that we have to admit that it's easier for men out there, even though there are stories about men getting molested as well. It's not only women who get sexually harassed. Men can get sexually harassed too, but obviously the percentage is more for women than it is for men. But why do you think it's important for us to be having these conversations and question this whole situation to begin with? Mm. So um, firstly, in response to whether I relate, no, I I don't relate and I cannot relate as a man um, to sexual harassment on the streets. Why do we need to have this conversation um, I think, to be fair, women have tried uh, to empower themselves as much as possible, say from the 70s onwards, at least in the UK, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of Reclaim the Streets campaigns and uh, in many cases, you know, trying to protect themselves on the streets. And it's clear that in order for women to feel safer, there needs to be a reformation in conscious of men. And I think uh, that goes... Uh, with their interactions with women, with their interactions among themselves, 
and with the and with the general structure of society, which is patriarchal, whether it be mm-hmm. uh, the judiciary, whether it be law enforcement, uh, whether it be the government, laws, governance, policing, is based on largely the experiences, the perspectives, the rules of life of uh, of men, and clearly that needs to be changed in order to take. Um, to take women's issues uh, more into account. Exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, obviously we've seen several male politicians try and create legislators that, or put down laws about women's bodies when, they're, mm. when they don't understand how they work and how they function. Mm. And uh, this is actually a valid question to be asking Joel, because as a political science student, from your perspective, what is the change that we need to be seeing on a governmental level in order for us to see laws that are finally going to play out in our favor and at least the laws that support, that that are biologically valid in my opinion at least for women because all the laws that we see especially when it comes to abortion that is considered a taboo topic the laws don't necessarily um they don't necessarily stand in our favor. They, they, they aren't made for women like Adiani. They're not made for women on a general level. They're made for specific women. So what is the change that is necessary in order for us to see laws that are good for women all around? Yeah, I think you said it best, Haya, when you when you mentioned that, you know, there are men that are putting out policies about women's bodies. And this is something mm-hmm. very important to touch upon because you need... Um, female legislators in parliament to be able to represent the hundreds of thousands of women all across the world or a specific country to be able to make decisions that represent them. Again, it's all about representation. So when we see in Lebanon, for example, we see an entire parliament made up of 128 and we have four women and now yeah. they're even less because I, I know Paula uh, resigned. But anyway, mm-hmm. so these men aren't just, you know, it's not just because they're men. It's because they're incompetent and they're, um, yeah, I mean, I think we can assume. It's so fair. No, no, I now. agree. Uh, they're yeah. incompetent to make any legislation whatsoever. So and to go beyond the, you know, um, electricity and water to to talk about women's bodies to talk about abortion to talk about rape to talk about all these things that are considered taboo in in some societies it takes courage it takes progressiveness and that's what we need we need more progressive people in parliament whether it's men or women because at the end of the day we have progressive men that do fight for women's rights and we have women that stand against women's rights so it goes beyond also that. It's, it's more about progressiveness. It's more about um, looking beyond just, um, you know, your political beliefs or your religious beliefs. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, the only hope I cling on to today is I see that. I see these types of progressive leaders in Lebanon and in all across the world wanting to be part of that change and are willing to take it a step further to, to implement mm-hmm. these policies. And we saw, for example, the most recent country, which is Argentina, that, for example, legalized uh, abortion. And this is, right. this is something right. incredible because, you know, a country like Argentina has very conservative values. To see such a very amazing change take place is, 
you know gives you hope it, it definitely gives you it hope. does it does and um this actually brings me to my next question for uh for francesco again so from the male perspective obviously we know that change is necessary and regardless of what anyone has to say you know we've been seeing like everything that's been going on um especially in sarah's case which i believe was like the breaking point it was the tipping mm-hmm. point and and brought everyone to finally say that even when we say not all men it's not a valid statement to be ha- to be saying and and there was an analogy that kept going around about how it's not you can say not all men but it's all men because it's enough men to make women feel like they're mm. in danger mm. to make them feel like they're not safe and they have to be in fear all the time so what is your perspective on that actually like what is what is your take on the not all men concept and the fact that we should be saying it's all men because mm. even when we generalize and even when we make all of these bold statements it's valid in some way mm. first of all i'd like to say um it's a great shame that sarah was the breaking point in terms of raising this kind of awareness um yeah unfortunately across the uk and other countries many women have gone missing before sarah many women have been murdered before sarah and unfortunately many women Very will true. be continue to meet this fate unless there is substantial change um throughout our governing structures concerning the mm-hmm. not all men hashtag i think it's firstly a distraction um Mm-hmm. kind of removing the burden of guilt from the the male sex and avoiding for many men that conversation that needs to be had with themselves in order to change their consciousness when it comes to this of course not all men are direct physical threats to women but i don't think enough men are f- fulfilling uh then ticking the necessary boxes you could say in order to making women's life safer and that includes in exactly. private with uh, other men in groups uh checking uh checking their friends and their peers and it's not just enough to be uh not a misogynist you need to be anti-misogynist just like um for example in the black lives matter movement it's not enough to be not racist uh you have to be anti-racist and i think therefore there's a great comparison to be to be made between the all lives matter hashtag and the not all men hashtag because it's mm-hmm. a real distraction uh from from the actual from cause the core issue yeah yeah, yeah. It's the same thing with cops you know when when cops um mm. attack you know the african american community and they say you know all cops are bad blue lives matter yeah. yeah and i think it's it's a problem of people sometimes misinterpret it as you know this is men versus women this is male versus exactly. female this is citizen mm-hmm. versus police when in fact it's not that at all because these types of crimes what happened to sarah and thousands of other girls they affect the entire community i mean every husband has a wife every father has a daughter this is not about one specific gender this is about the community this is about you know how how we evolve as a community and it's a shame like um francesco said it's a shame that sarah was that breaking point because for for a lot of other families they lost you know they lost their daughters they lost their wives um to these types of crimes and this is something you can never recover from 
Um, mm. All you can hope is that this does not happen to the future generation, to the next girl, to the next, um, you know, female that decides to walk home at night or that decides mm-hmm. to take a taxi. Um, exactly. Yeah. I agree because... And like you both said, that it's sad to see that Sarah's case was the, the, the one example that brought us to the streets and to try and reclaim back the streets for us because we want to be able to walk on the streets safely. We want to be able to not hold a knife between our, or our keys between our fingers or pepper spray in our purses. Like that is not, we shouldn't be encouraging women to do that because that shouldn't be the reality in the first place. When you're telling women or like when you're trying to market these products to these women, it's it's fundamentally wrong because the whole issue at hand should not exist in the first place. And um, but at least we can acknowledge the fact that this conversation is happening. And if it weren't for Sada's case, we probably wouldn't be recording this podcast Mm. episode right now. Because all the cases and all the women that came before Sarah weren't publicized as much as Sarah's case was because she disappeared and then they found her body a week later and it was a whole thing in the UK, it became international. So obviously we can say that to some extent what happened was with Sarah was a wake-up call, but it was definitely not the only uh, incident that took place. There are so many girls like Sarah who had to suffer There are so many families like Sarah's family that had to suffer. And that's something we also have to admit. I also like to redirect the conversation to the concept of feminism, which is something that has also been brought up uh, as part of the narrative currently being um, we're currently being spread around Sarah's case and how the fact that we're saying all men should be held accountable is a feminazi perspective or feminazi concept and it's something it's like an extremist point of view of feminism when and i'm sure joel can also talk about this um when we talk about feminism it's truly a very simple concept and this is something that we touched on in last week's episode with annabelle and marina that feminism is genuinely very simple it's all about equality between men and women and like joel said it's not a fight between men and women it's not me against francesco it's not francesco against me it's base it's literally women trying to claim what's theirs their rights it's it's literally that simple we can't overcomplicate the definition and the only reason why this definition this definition this definition is being complicated in the first place is because of the patriarchal society that refuses to accept that women are finally standing up for what's theirs so um joel actually my question to you is why do you think that the concept of feminism is being twisted so much to an extent that women don't even want to call themselves feminists and men don't want to claim themselves as feminists because it's such a taboo thing like oh you're a feminist why are you a feminist and this is something that Marina mentioned last week as well but I'd like to hear your perspective on the matter I too. actually just had a conversation with with one of my with a group of friends actually no longer my group of friends <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm joking, but you know I was talking about about feminism and the need to speak up about something like this, and they started kind mm-hmm. of you know like you said they started making it like such a radical idea, like oh you're exactly. a feminist, exactly. you want to fight and you want to do this and that, 
And I kept telling them that this is just about equality. This is about me, you, equal opportunity, equal representation, that's it. And they kept, you know, redirecting mm -hmm. the conversation towards radical feminism. And, and, you know, oh, you want to go down to the beach without a shirt on because men do that. They start making up things. Mm. They start, they start exactly. directing the conversation into this radical movement that aims for something completely different. Um, and we see that with mm -hmm. a lot of other movements. It's not just feminism. And so I think the way to deal with that generally um, is to try as much as you can to, to point out that this is about equality. So if you're, mm -hmm. about, if you're against feminism, you're against equality full stop. There is no but after that. You cannot say I'm Definitely. with women's rights, but um, she should. Mm -hmm. There's no there but. You no can't. But. You don't have the right no to but. say but. I mean, you, exactly. you can't say, exactly. yeah, murder is wrong, but no. That is it. That is, that is the end of the <laughs> sentence. That's the same thing. That's what people don't exactly. get. So you have to point that out to people. You have to, you have to direct that conversation towards you're with feminism, you're with equality. If you're a woman, do you want to be equal to your husband or not? If she says no, then fine, you end the conversation there, okay? But if you do want to be mm -hmm. equal to your husband, you want your daughter to be equal to your son, then you're a feminist. I'm sorry to break it to you. You don't want to be a feminist, but you're a feminist <laughs> if you believe in that, in that exactly. equality. Mm. And it's so unfortunate that it received such a negative connotation. Like, it's such a negatively associated word. Like, we associate it with, like, Oh, she's but, like she's 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 such a I tough woman that we can't deal with her. Yeah, sorry, Francisco. sorry to interrupt. But I think there needs to be a distinction made between feminism and radical feminism because feminism at its core is not about freeing nipples and hating men and <laughs> all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's where, unfortunately, some men get turned off by the concept. Like, and that needs to be addressed. And I'm seeing kind of, unfortunately more extreme versions of feminism in the aftermath of the Sarah Everard case. Like there was a woman in the House of Lords in the UK who proposed a curfew for men after 6 p.m. Now, I understand this is a very sensitive time and empirically speaking, say that might reduce sexual harassment. But unfortunately, long term, you are alienating the key group of people Whose, whose opinions you're trying to change. So, uh, you know, I've, that's, that's one issue I find when I talk with, especially my guy friends. Uh, you know, This is what I wanted to ask they, you about, by the way. Yeah, They get distracted by these kind of radical streams of the movement, which unfortunately is counterproductive. Mm -hmm. But go ahead. But I think, um, just, just one point, I think why radical feminism emerged... Um, I'm obviously not justifying it. It's something completely different and strays away from, from feminism. But it's because of cases like Sarah. It's because yeah. we realize that, okay, this is not working. And so when, for example, when a woman comes out and says, okay, you know, free the nipple or, you know, my body, my choice or something like that. It's because we reached a point in society right now where our bodies are so sexualized, are so sexualized to the point where we just want to we just want to tell the society this is just a body just like yours it is mm. nothing else and i think that's why some radical feminists go to that you know path it's because mm. 
they they're so fed up and they're so angry with how society has been treating them with how the patriarchal mentality has been you know abusing their bodies that they just want to prove that you know i look at your body naked you know like that at the beach i want to yes. be that as well that's it yes. um but obviously like you said this is not the way to go forward but to some extent mm. i can try to understand where they're coming from yeah i completely resonate with that and and mm-hmm. i'm not blaming anyone just like i wouldn't blame a black person who hates white people for slavery for example like it's it's a radical position it's unfortunate but at the end of the day this has been engendered through years of oppression exactly. in both cases exactly yeah uh what did i want to say yeah mm-hmm. and i think um that is the the idea of this radical feminism i think lacks intersectionality and i feel like that's a really key concept when it comes to identifying what the real problems are because we mentioned again sarah is the only woman we've who's generated we've this heard of protest yeah and we've heard yeah. of but there was a there was a black woman last summer who disappeared on a beach in uh in in the uk and no one has mentioned it so i feel like that's when fem- feminism goes into into two of a narrow paradigm not just from on the extremes but in say a eurocentric point of view i would agree to some extent because now there's this whole new sub movement i think so well if you you would agree with me on this about like intersectional feminism and the need to be intersectional the need to realize that feminism can also be one sided in many ways even though it's a very simple definition but unfortunately because we're humans in the end and we have our own you know su- uh, perceived or, or preconceived notions of of other people and other groups of people that feminism can get one sided at some one sided at one point in certain cases and um now people are are branching out and are understanding it and are realizing that feminism is wrong in some areas even though the definition is so simple um and that's why people are coming out as intersectional feminists and not just feminists they're 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 attaching that adjective in because of cases like the one that you mentioned francesco mm. think, um, um joel would you like to add to that yeah i think um one article i read that really really um you know i was very interested by it um basically mm-hmm. how the media portrays you know rape cases and murder cases and the headlines in specific that it chooses so yeah. when we read mm-hmm. a headline that says women raped and disappeared for example so this headline um whether we like it or not subconsciously it's not about you know um who raped that woman it's woman raped that's it and so i was reading how it should be and it should be man rapes woman and kills her for example or um man responsible for the killing of said woman so i think the media also has a very important role in how it portrays sure. these cases mm-hmm. and this was very interesting i did not i i literally did not think about this before i read the article mm-hmm. because how many times have you read woman raped woman murdered but it never said man murders woman man rapes woman exactly. it's like it's one sided exactly. when in fact it's not mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so true i actually was watching i don't know how but i was watching the news yesterday <laughs> on tv for like the first time in in a long time and it turned out that they were putting uh, a report on a case 
in I believe it was Egypt or Saudi Arabia I'm, I'm not really sure don't take my word for it but like a country in the Arab world basically and how there was this man who uh, took advantage of a young girl she was probably seven or ten years old and he molested her and he was caught on camera Egypt. doing it Egypt Egypt yeah I he was caught on is. yeah he was caught on camera doing it and then you they there was the woman who the 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 reporter is a woman and the way she was talking about it was so genius and i love her for that i wish i knew her name but she was such an iconic woman speaking about it because she was making fun of the headlines that came out after this video surfaced and she was uh like she was making these these uh these these looks on her face and everything like that that she was mocking the headlines that went as follows the man molested the young girl because the young girl was chasing him. The man did not know what he was doing because he was tired and just came back from work. The man, um, you know, they're trying, basically it's just different ways of justifying what this idiotic man did to a young girl who is seven, we're talking about a seven-year-old, 10-year-old girl who does not know about the world yet, who's, who's so ill-exposed to anything and and they're the fact that they're trying to justify the man's actions like that's pathetic and that's so unacceptable and that's what the reporter was trying to convey as well through her way of of portrait of uh, of reporting the story and it's upsetting to see that even like and and we know that this is this is very normal in arab countries it's very normal in an arab society where it's taboo to even talk about it where it's taboo to talk about sexual harassment where it's taboo to even talk about a story about a, sev- a poor year old girl a poor 10 year old girl who did not know what was going on and she and i don't even know she cried for help like i i can't even imagine what she was going through in that moment because she doesn't know what's being done to her I, I honestly don't know what else to add to that. So if you both want to add to that, you're more than welcome to, or I can jump to my next idea. Uh, this this kind of reminds me of how the media portrays um, acts of terrorism, because when it's a black man, oh my God, or when yeah. it's Muslim, mm. or within an Arab man, it's terrorism. But when it's a white man, it's mm-hmm. mental illness. It was having a bad day. It's he was upset. Exactly. Same thing. It's the same thing when when it's a man who's molesting or, you know, uh, engaging in in something like that. It's always justified for the media. Mm -hmm. And this is when the media is complicit in in these types of crimes. Mm -hmm. And that's why it also Mm -hmm. has a very important role to play in rewriting this this story and rewriting and reshaping society. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. Like, yeah, it's, Um, it's... It's interesting, if yeah. I might add, um, in London, we we had, I think two years ago, quite high knife crime. And it was always, mm-hmm. the race of the man was always mentioned when he was black. And it, you know, it kind of provided this animus of, you know, this criminal black man. But of course, rape, uh, like Joel said, I think I've seen this post, never had a face. And it's just like, you know, one That's is, so true. is pinned on this race and the other just happens. You know, it's just a, it's a fact of society. Therefore, the victim and you see the is, woman getting blamed. Uh, yeah, it's the woman's the woman fault. Blamed. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. It's crazy. And this is such an, this is such an important conclusion to come to. At least before we wrap up our episode today, that everyone is is part of this, and everyone is complicit. Even the media, the media that we trust, the the 
the media coverage that we so look forward to in the evening, stories can get twisted and it's very easy to twist the story um, to convey one narrative, to convey the wrong narrative most times. And that's something that we should always be aware of, especially as young people. And the fact that, you know, obviously we're young and we're questioning it, that's also very important. And I have faith that, you know, there are many people like us out there who are um, within our age group who understand this as well. And this is why we need, we need change. We need change today. We need change tomorrow. We need change next week. And there will be more stories like Sarah. Sarah's story doesn't stop. Uh, you know, the, the whole sexual harassment movement doesn't stop at Sarah. And it won't stop at Sarah, unfortunately, because we know that more and more women like Sarah will surface, more and more stories like Sarah's will surface. And it's going to hurt us. And it's going to, um, obviously, going to be very disappointing. But until we see, until we no longer see stories like Sarah, that's when we know that we've done our job right. So before we end our episode, do you both have something to add? It's okay if you don't. Um, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit um, so shocked, honestly, about these stories. And all this conversation really brings back very bad memories. Um, but I, I think I two things that I can say just to end is, one, no is a full statement. No is a full sentence. Um, this is something that I, um, my mom told me once, and I think I've taken this to heart. No is a full mm -hmm. statement. That's it. Um, and I just want to reiterate that we cannot do this without men. We cannot do this alone. And exactly. history has proven that we can't do this alone. Um, I really mm -hmm. hope that we can one day reach. I know we can because we have these societies. We have societies like Denmark and Finland and Iceland where crime rates are close to null. So it can happen. Mm -hmm. It can happen. It's to, not impossible. It's not impossible. Um, we just really need to try our best to rewrite the narrative um, around society exactly. as much as possible. Definitely. Definitely. Francesco? So if I would end, since I'm the dude, uh, I, would say to, uh, I would say to men, uh, listen, listen to what women are saying on sexual harassment, first and foremost. Check your biases, check your egos, and uh, check how your toxic behavior might be engendering uh, other behaviors in your peers. And watch, watch your guy friends carefully as well. That's one thing I would mm -hmm. say. Um, That's very smart, definitely. Guys, when they get in groups, unfortunately, definitely. it can go off the rails pretty quickly. So I would say be especially vigilant when you're in a group with your guy friends. Okay. Thank yeah. you to you both. And thank you to our precious audience for, for listening this far. Um, yeah. Meet us in next week's episode of the Bayman Review. And again, many thanks to you both. And uh, I wish everybody a great day. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks Bye. very much.